This podcast is sponsored by Hibu, an award-winning e-commerce fulfillment provider, helping online businesses grow by taking care of all their order fulfillment needs, picking, packing, and posting products to customers all over the world. Fuel your growth and fulfill your ambitions with Hibu. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. And this is the last bonus show that you will hear on Three Peeps in a Podcast. Sad times, um, but we're we're evolving. We're evolving into Robin's Review. Breaking news, everybody. So we've got Robin's Review, Robin's Reunited, and the regular show. So the three R's on Three Peeps in a Podcast. Matt is with me as always. And Matt, this is the final installment of the top fives. So we're going to do managers first. And then magic moments. And it's been quite a ride, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. Um, and what I've loved, mate, is the amount of positive sort of feedback and comment we've had from people <laughs> saying, no, 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 no. so there is a size to that as well. But what I meant was that people saying how it's helped them get through the lack of football and missing yeah. Bristol City. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, some of the uh, the players and uh you know that have been picked. Yes, there has been some some question marks. I'm not sure. Uh, Otib have been a particular fan. But <laughs> some but people. If, if we all pick the same five, then yeah, it how interesting would that be? Yeah. Pretty boring. Uh, so as I said, everyone's picked it for different reasons. It exactly. Something that means something to you, like the story we had about Sean Goto with Adam Gould yep. last week. Exactly. Um, you know, my love for David Seal and the goals that he scored. Yeah. Um, and your love and your hair. For Glenn Riley. For Glenn Riley, exactly, yeah. And I will very quickly say I had a, an absolutely fantastic birthday card yesterday from another person on this this pod, and it's not our guest, um, <laughs> of Glenn, Glenn Riley's headed goal, uh, the second one at Wembley against Bolton. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, very special. So that would get framed and put on the wall. So thank you for that, Mr. Warner. Next to a picture uh, of you with your with your mullet, with your Glenn exactly, Riley Exactly, with my Glenn Riley mullet, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you well, had no, a good it's been birthday. enjoyable. Good birthday Did have a, yeah, I had a lovely birthday. Thank you. Lots of nice messages and stuff. So yeah, that was it was really nice. Thank you. Uh, has that left you with a high number for our check-in? Uh yeah, it probably has actually. I would have to say I, I felt the love yesterday. And it was a um, I spent the, the day yesterday with my mum and um, stepdad in the morning and then um, me and Jill in the afternoon. So yeah, I'm 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 actually probably a good nine and a half, I would say, mate. And I know Ooh. we don't like halves, so it's probably have to be a ten, if not. Uh-huh. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll take that. Yeah. Um, so good stuff. I'm I'm probably uh, an eight, I'd say. Yeah, not had a good. good good evening and uh, got a few things planned today. So doing Excellent. okay. Uh, let's bring in our guest then. It's uh, Doctor Dean Allen, it's flying in all the way from uh, South Africa to join us. Whereabouts in South Africa are you this time, Dean? Hello, boys. Yeah, no, Hello, I'm, at home in Port- I'm, at, I'm at home in Port Elizabeth. I'm looking at a beautiful uh, winter's morning. It's uh, obviously the other side of the world from you guys. Um, yeah, no, lovely. About eight, about twenty degrees today. Looking forward to seeing the spring box later. You can always feel in South Africa when the big rugby team's going to be playing. There's a buzz around the town. Um, but yeah, no, got to say thanks for all you've done this this uh, close season because these have been fantastic to listen to. Absolutely enjoyed every single one. Yeah, it's good fun. Good fun to do, and it certainly kept us kept us in contact, kept us busy, kept us um, in the Bristol City loop. And we always start with a little bit of a. Uh, a a catch-up on what's going on in the world of Bristol City. So, first of all, we had a fantastic day at Knoll Golf Club on Tuesday this week where we were joined by several former players for the FPA Golf Day, the inaugural Golf Day, and the Harry Dolman Trophy was handed out to the winners, the four swingers. 
um and we had lots of lots of people come along to that so steve lansdine was there alan walsh gary hours joe Burnell, danny coles tommy dock colin cram and uh tom ritchie and many many more jerry sweeney etc so it was great to have those and we raised uh 1200 pounds for children's hospice southwest so um that makes it all all the better and we we're also joined by marina dolman on her birthday which was fantastic matt Austria has been and gone. The the training videos. I think we've had four Robins uncuts. So, uh, what's your key takeaways from watching some of that? I've been impressed with the way that um, the the forward players have looked. They've looked really sharp. Tommy Conway, Naki Wells, in particular. Um, I do think it's a it's a as much about a bonding exercise as anything else. Um, from looking at the footage, they seem to have really worked them. Um, what, I, what I've liked, Patch, is there's been talk of promotion within those and where we want to get to. So they're obviously setting that standard. And, and I'm sure pretty much every club sort of, you know, as you start out, you, you have those aspirations. But it's looked very, very positive. I still think we're a couple of players light from what we need. Um, and it will be interesting to see, obviously, the, the Alex Scott situation, how that develops. But in terms of Austria, it, it looks to have been very positive. Um, I, I'll admit I've not watched Nigel Pearson's video from yesterday, um, but I've watched all of the other ones, some great footage. Um, and, and good to see a lot of the youngsters involved as well on the bikes and filming the videos themselves and stuff. So, yeah, it, look, it looks to have been positive. Yeah, I, I watched the Nigel Pearson interview last night and, uh, yeah, it, he was basically sort of saying it was more of a watching brief for him this yeah. to see how how everyone was sort of coming along and developing. He mentioned that we want to be in the playoffs and achieving promotion and getting high up the table as possible. And yeah, it was it was yeah, everything you you expected to hear really. And now the sort of the the actual match work starts. I think the first friendly is this coming Wednesday, so um, we, we shall see some of them in in, in action, which would be good. And then, so Masengo, Dean, we had a heartfelt message from Masengo. Really impressive video. He's quite creative. I know he works with, um, I think he works with some people on on those, but uh, a, a great message nonetheless from Hanno and Masengo. Yeah, no, it was, it, I think this is becoming quite a thing, isn't it, with players? I mean, we we, we almost grade their grade their service in the team on how they how the send off. I don't know if you saw the Aspilaqueta. Um, yeah, video seen, from yeah. Chelsea. I mean, geez, that was that was pretty sincere. I mean, he, he was in tears, and that was that was that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, we've all we've all talked about Han Noah. Um, promised so much, you know, didn't didn't deliver for us in terms of goals and assists and things like that. But we just we just love the love the love the kid, and we hope he goes on and, and has a great career, which I'm sure he will. I don't know. Um, I, I thought he would have got. Um, you know, obviously got a team. But I'm sure his agents are in the background working on that. There's talk, no, no really? There's talk of leads. There's talk of leads, Dean. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this week, so that would be an hard. interesting it, one. It, in a way, Matt, I'd like to see. I'd like to see him stay in the English game because then we could watch his development. You know, I mean, he's exactly. going to come back and, and do what they always do with us: come down and probably score his first league goal at the game. <laughs> yes, that would be typical, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank you, but, but actually, um, it's, a, it's a good. It's a good point because we we get more money if he stays in this country as oh, well. Right, okay. So he does then. So yeah. So, can see it now yes, so comes back playing for Leeds, scores a goal runs straight down the tunnel <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's, it's interesting as well because i've seen a couple of um opposition fans um preston and one in particular from qpr that sort of said this this lad destroyed us you know we, yes, we need to be looking at that. him and you sort of think you know may, maybe when he's your own player you do get a little bit um caught up with it there's no no doubt like dean said yeah we needed more goals more assists from him but 
you know, I, I still think there's a, a real player in there. And if he gets the right coach, you know, when they talked about Burnley being interested, I would love that. I think Vincent Company could really work wonders with the kid. And Callas, still nothing from from Callas. No, 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 no emotional message of or a message of departure or anything like that. So it's all a bit, all a bit odd. Yeah, that makes you wonder whether. I mean, Nigel Pearson, he, he's he's always very honest. I think, and he was saying he's not had any conversations and leaves that to to obviously um, the, the board, etc. But I think the fact that you've not had a message from from Thomas Callas does make you think mm. that there are still negotiations going on there. Um, and it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're a Czech international, but you've not played a lot of football over the last couple of years. The club have obviously offered him a, a, a terms based on, I don't know whether it's it's you know a, a pay-as-you-play type thing, but certainly the, the bonuses you imagine are based on that. Um, and you think he probably would get better offers elsewhere. So it will be an interesting one to see. I hope he stays. I really do. Yeah. Am I right in saying he's out of contract now? He's, so he's yeah, not yeah, getting paid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's going to force his hand, isn't it, one way or the other? Yeah, I think even with all the millions that he would have, you know, that's still you're still not getting your your weekly pay, are you? So yeah, mm. I think you're right, Dean. Yeah. Right. Let's start then. Let's get on to uh, top five managers. And as I said, we're gonna we're gonna rattle through these. So we're gonna come to you first, Matt. And your number five is Lee Johnson. So Lee Johnson um, had managed 195 games and uh, that was a win percentage of 36.4%. So we experienced some massive highs with Lee Johnson and uh, it just didn't work out for him in the end. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure Lee Johnson wasn't in a number of other fans that have done this top five. Um, we shall see. And I'm sure that I'm sure that there are fans that are listening to this thinking, how the hell have you put streaky Lee in? But I've seen some of the best moments of my Bristol City life watching a Lee Johnson team. Um, the Man City game, obviously, the two those two games, the Man United result. Um and and you, you kind of wonder that will become apparent, Matt, as well in the second half. Yeah, well there you go. We look at magic moments. Exactly. And and there are sliding door moments. Lee, Lee Johnson never definitely didn't get everything right. I don't think he he handled things well at certain situations, but I think you can pretty much say that about every football manager that's ever managed in a, in, in the game. Um, but I think he was very innovative with a lot of the stuff that he did. Uh, I think he was very forward sort of thinking, um, spent time in things like, in you know, other clubs around the world, but in accident and emergency departments and mm. you know so he, he really did explore the boundaries in terms of what he could he could possibly get out of his own ability so yeah i think i think probably what let him down was some of his personality stuff but um as a manager um i really wanted him to succeed i liked him as a player and i know again i'm probably in the minority i liked him as a player there was the connection with his dad and i do like a manager and this is going to sound a little bit pathetic but i like a manager that shows the passion to the fans and seeing Lee Johnson and the, the lad's name escapes me. I think it was Oliver, maybe don't know, ball boy. but yeah, seeing Lee Johnson spin that ball boy round and just how much it meant to him. Mm. He loved Bristol city and it's like, like his dad loved Bristol city. So, you know, it did, didn't end well. Obviously we were doing a pod patch when it came through. Yeah. Just going to um, say that, that, that and, moment and, was three years ago, I think this week. Yeah. And both of us were emotional and, you know, that was because we did like Lee Johnson and we wanted it to work. So, yeah, Lee, Lee Johnson makes my top five. 
Yeah, he's actually my number five as well. Is he right? Um, yeah. And for for all of those reasons, really wanted him to succeed. He gave us those magic moments. He was innovative. He brought that big screen into training. I think exactly. Yeah. Things like that. That um, you know, there's probably commonplace now in in lots of different places. And yeah, that that affi- that affiliation with the Johnson family and the and the playing and obviously Gary as well. You you've said it all there, Matt. So yeah, he's my yeah. number five as well um dean your number five will come on to now and that is john ward so john ward uh managed 70 games uh but a win ratio of 47.1 percent which is the actually it's the second highest um in in our table here that we've got of, of the people that are making the making the table but john ward absolutely lovely 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 man met him last season when we celebrated that uh that the anniversary of that promotion and yeah it's uh it was a successful time that that ended quite abruptly uh the season after yeah, no, I know. I, uh, I know. I know. I had Danny Wilson slash John Ward, and I know you've made me made a decision on my number five. But I've basically <laughs> gone as we'll hear. All of my all of my managers won us promotion. They did what we they wanted us to do, and um, that that was the criteria. I kind of selected them on as well, um, and that's why probably Lee Johnson didn't 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 make my top five. Uh, great moments with with Lee Johnson. Also liked him as a player, Matt. I was in the minority. He did the simple things. He was a neat, tidy footballer. Always had to win over the doubters because of his dad. Um, yep. But I just um, I probably with Lee let himself down with some of the some of the personality personality clashes. Always remember him letting Lee um Luke Aileen go early on and I thought that was a yeah. big mistake. You know, he, he he didn't fancy him straight away. He'd made up his mind and perhaps that was a bit of his dad as well. He had that he had that about him. But we'll talk about Gary I'm sure as we go on. Going back to John Ward, yeah, of course he had the he had the Rovers connection later on. But what a what a super guy and what a super team. I just love that team. Sean Taylor, Sean Gota um i i was there i was there when we were going going up against watford to get that promotion um it was just a great team the big lotto yes. kit with the big badge uh, i don't know we had, we had everything about us and and john ward i think the way the way he left us as well it was unlucky um even i think he's probably one of the few bristol city managers to to win a game and then lose his job the next day yeah um, but that history um he's he's one of those guys that perhaps goes under the radar but he he did we did have a successful successful time with him and it doesn't surprise me patch when you tell me about his win stats because no i really i really like the guy he was sincere knew his football uh you could see the players liked him and it was just a feel good time around the club when he when john wall was with us you know he brought in um obviously had his assistant terry connor as well and they were they were a great team together with 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 Buster alongside them as well that sort of picture of the three of them stood on the touchline and yeah uh obviously a master great team so. well right I think he brought Scotty to the club as well probably I think you're right there man I, I, I think not he not may sure. have done because he had a Villa connection as well didn't he but it, it was um, a line un, unusual as well as Dean said and, and Dean I, I have to say I love your criteria as well in yeah. terms of promotion I think that's a, a good good benchmark yeah so, um but I'm sure with John Ward as well the Obviously, he was at the Ravers before us, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, I know yeah. he went. I know he went to the Ravers again afterwards. But you know, like Dean said, very unlucky, really, and blooded a number of youngsters, the likes of Tommy Dock, um, Matty Hewlett. You know, they, they were playing with John Ward, weren't they? So, yeah. Um, and do you remember that? I mean, I mean, we obviously love to hate the Rovers managers, but John Ward, we kind of all respected him. He was, a, he was a nice. He was such a nice, yeah. nice bloke, wasn't he? He, ne- he never had any of that. It is. 
Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but he never had any of that. Um, you know, the other lot down the road and all of that kind of thing. He was just, he's just a gentleman, isn't he? So he did it the right way. Very much like Roy Hodgson, that sort of era type manager, isn't he? So yeah. And I, and John Ward is my number three. In fact, right. Okay. So right, we'll go back up to Matt now, and your number four, Matt, is Terry Cooper. So Terry Cooper, I'll give you his stats very quickly. So managed 265 games, win ratio of 43%. Yeah, possibly an age thing with this one. Um, but but also Terry Cooper came in at a time, I mean, he came in at our, our sort of cut-off um, starting point, didn't he, the 82 um, side of things. In, and he had to steady the ship um, and gave Bristol City fans of a, an era, their first, you know, magic moment, seeing him at Wembley in that Freight Rover trophy against, against Bolton, um, talking to, well, what was the HTV news, Ian Summerfield, something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah. Can't think. Type it, but, type it in, Rob. Yeah. Um, but seeing him crying and saying he couldn't talk. Ian Seymour. Ian Seymour. Seymour. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big lad. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. Good lip reading. Seeing him, um, seen him crying and sort of saying he couldn't talk anymore and yeah it was brilliant but again you know it, it was a time when we we were in the absolute doldrums and and to get someone in like terry cooper you know let's not forget a world cup defender you know played so many times for england was a, a really good show but he, he had to really steady the ship in finances and everything else you know i've, I've read stories about it and completely gone at Walshy. um I, I was gonna say it's gone yeah. out of my head they instructed me Clive Middlemass and, and Terry Cooper went up and out, move Walshie, you know, and it's that that kind of thing that that would never happen, you would think, in the modern game now. But he was just, again, a, 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 a really, really genuine guy. Uh, and I think they did, did so well for Bristol City, yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard similar stories to that as well with, um, with Terry Cooper. Yeah. And, yeah, obviously that connection with the club, he's firmly... Firmly uh, there in our Legends Lounge in the exactly, yeah. manner, etc. So, yeah, very good choice, Matt, with Terry Cooper. He's my number two. We'll jump to that, I suppose. Yes, I'm just looking my, um, back at yeah, yours. Yeah. yeah, so you're number two, Terry Cooper. Dean, do you want to just say a yeah, few words? Yeah, for me, for me he, was, he, was, he was sort of my first manager, the guy that I really identified yeah. with as a kid when I, when I you know, the, that era of Glyn Riley, Neville, the Wembley 86, He's still the only manager ever to cry for Bristol City on a camera. I don't. I mean, <laughs> we, we've all cried off camera. Well, but Sean, Sean O'Driscoll had a had a cry on camera, didn't he? Yeah, probably <laughs> when we appointed him. Um, but uh, no, and and I I've, I said it before in our tribute show for him. I mean, I as a, as a kid, I wrote to him and said, "Well done on this season." And then the letter came back within you know almost return but return a mail, and I still kept it, still keep it. So I'm a bit like Adam Gold. I'm you know that's the, he's my he's my mm-hmm. Sean go to. He's my emotional kind of connection. But the the thing with Terry Cooper, he got us a promotion as well. He, st- yeah. he steadied the ship and he got us up, and and we started to look upwards as a, as opposed to down. And um, yeah, I'd like to think at some stage we will. Have have some kind of uh well statues a big thing but something in in memory of terry Cooper yeah. because I, I believe the that whole bristol city 82 and the rebuild i mean he was fundamental in all, all that and in, yeah. in our in our table of um the collated table which we'll go through at the end there's and he had the most uh games managed terry Did he, yeah. he is actually my number four um as well that's my first manager when i started watching so 
yeah. emotional connection there. Yeah. And yeah, number of times that I've watched that that eighty six Wembley uh, video as well and seen that interview, etc. So that's my reasons. We'll go into a bit more on some more managers now. So we'll come to your number four now, Dean, and that is Joe Jordan. So Joe Jordan uh, managed two hundred and twenty games. Obviously, Summers player manager. And that was 41.4% win ratio. Yeah, Joe Jordan, um, first time he really had a big name at the club. I mean, he's a, he's a, a superstar footballer, well-known around the world. And he's come to, to finish his career at Bristol City as a player. And then I love the way Terry Cooper kind of groomed him into management, that transition. And and he managed like he played. It was, it was 100%. You knew that the team were going to give everything for him. You hear players talk about him. Highly respected, no nonsense. It was good cop, bad cop, of course, with him and his assistants as well. The only reason he's not come higher in my league in, in the table is because I'm afraid the way he left and left us for hearts. I was absolutely heartbroken when that guy was linked yeah. with hearts having taken us up. And I think it was Andy May in one of your Robins Reunited saying we could have done great things if Joe had stayed. And it really did. Even then, even when it, when I heard that, I thought, what a big pity. Because he, he didn't go to a, he didn't go to a first division or Premier League team. He went to Hearts. And funny enough, Matt, I, I, I've always thought about why did he go to Hearts? Perhaps he was after the Scotland job. That's what people said. Back in, back in the day, there was, there was quite a link between us and Hearts. They were sponsored by Thorn Security. They almost had an identical Were they? Shirt, really? Which, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I looked yeah. it up. Um, and I'm sure there were things in the background. I'm sure people were talking to him. Um, and it, yeah, it was it was just too it was too much of a coincidence. Um, and off he, off he went, and he left us in the lurch in, in, in many respects. Yeah. And of course, the homecoming. As much as we were excited, it never does work out. But no, Joe Jordan. Joe Jordan for me was everything you needed in a manager. A bit like we're hoping from Nigel Pearson that firmness, that yeah. showing the showing the showing the you know the resilience and the kind of you know, going into battle. And that's what when, he did. What stage did he leave, Dean? It was early in the following season, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was terrible timing. We got yeah. up and we thought we were, we were ready for the, ready for the new We played season. some games though, didn't we? You didn't leave in the close season. I thought we might have played yeah, some games. I, I, I've got a feeling and listening to that Andy May, he said it, you know, it just came out of the blue that even the yeah. players heard for the last minute that Joe could be going and it was a yeah. shock. Can you imagine what that would have done? We were lucky to go up and really stay up because that, yeah. that could have knocked yeah. us about. The 1991 was yeah September 15th of yeah September. so we we started we started the season yeah yeah, yeah it's um it, you're absolutely right Dean um it's an interesting one I'd I'd like to ask Joe Jordan and and I'm sure he, he would say he hasn't got any regrets but he never then went on to do anything did he you know he had he had managerial spell Stoke is one I remember in. You kind of think, I wonder if he wishes, well, obviously he came back, but you you kind of think, I wonder if he wishes he'd stayed with that team and seen what would have happened there. Um, and you're right. I mean, what a, what an unbelievable character. The whole the whole sort of Jules situation as a player, you know, ex-Leeds, ex ex-Man United, for us to get him as a player was brilliant. Mm. Then as a manager, um, and, you know, without going, I'm not going to go into any spoilers, but I'm sure... You know, magic moments will feature a Joe Jordan side as well. Um, some great players signed Bob Taylor, obviously. Um, so you know, there's there's that connection as well. But yeah, some some uh, just a fabulous manager, Joe Jordan. And like Dean, I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. So he was your number three, Matt. Was he? Yeah. Uh, Joe yeah. Jordan. And from for me, one of the memories I've got is him calming down the City fans in, in a Bristol Rovers. Uh, Swinton Park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come, yeah. Came across. Park. 
Yeah, which, um... and it was. I mean, unless, and I don't know how many of you boys were there, but you would have been your, your youngster patch, wouldn't you? So, um, I think I was there. I've got. Were you? I was Her- there. Yeah. Horrendous night, both in terms of performance and the idiots that then sort of went on show. Mm. Um, so yeah, to see your manager having to come over and, and calm it. Um, and my other sort of abiding memory of Joe Jordan, and again, I'm talking like in past tense, but um, was the Gattuso situation when he was with Spurs <laughs> and Harry Redknapp. Yeah. And you think, yeah, go on, I'd love what to see character. Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Love that. Right, Matt, we're going to come to your number two, my number two, and Dean's number one, and that right. is Gary Johnson. So Gary Johnson, uh, 212 matches managed 41% win ratio. Yeah. I remember being in the studio with Jeff Twentyman uh, or on a, on a call when it got announced. Um, and, and before that, I'd had a conversation with, with Jeff on air saying, I'd like us to go for Gary Johnson. I really liked what he'd done at Yeovil and I think we needed that style of manager. Um, I remember him coming in. I can I can see the footage now where he's in the, the dolman as was. Um you know, and being interviewed, and I just thought, yeah, this if this guy can do what he's done at Yeovil, and and with the greatest respect to Yeovil, but obviously a very small club in terms of catchment area, the finance and everything, and you know what what he achieved with Yeovil was just incredible. Um, and he came in and and was a little bit of a, I don't know, a, a kind of secondhand car salesman in, in the way that, <laughs> you know, he sort of had, had his suits in some of what he said. Um, and, and I'm sure, in fact, I've seen footage subsequently, even now when he was at, at Torquay, um, where he, he absolutely says things out of the air. I mean, there's, there's a famous um, folklore about he had a, a player up by the throat in a game against Plymouth um, and things like that. I think Gary Johnson is very much an old school manager in the Neil Warnock sort of mould. And possibly to some degree, Nigel Pearson of old, maybe not so much now with Nigel Pearson, because I do think that he's, he's developed. But just just came in again at the right time patch. And, um, you know, we all we all remember the bounce around. Um, and yeah. I know I know it's not all about that. You know, the likes of Alex Ferguson, you know, Arsene Wenger, great, great managers that wouldn't be like that. But I think when you're in the Premier League and the elite, it's slightly different. Mm. But for us to see a manager that cared that much for our club well, and it not only was that, incredible. It, it, it makes a connection with the fans. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's almost like a a, 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 a communication. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to walk around and talk to everybody, but if we ask him to bounce up and down when we're two or three nil up, uh, he'll do it. I always felt with Gary Johnson, um, and possibly not, not the same with Lee, but with Gary, I always felt... I don't think it matters if if Man United, Arsenal, whoever come in for him. When he was with us and how he was, you just felt he loved the club and he was at where he wanted to be. Um, and yeah, that that connection. And, I, and I'm not I'm not really sure. Maybe Cots is is one that that had that, but not too many afterwards. And part of some of the stick that Nigel Pearson has got is because of those three managers in particular, Gary Lee and Steve Cottrell that really engaged and got what it was to engage with the fans, didn't they? So, um, but let's not forget, he was also a fabulous football manager. We played some lovely stuff. Dean's criteria got promotion and he was the manager that took us the closest we've ever been to the Premier League. Um, You know, and and you you can't sort of forget that. Signed some brilliant players and yeah, loved. I love Gary Johnson. Dean, so you're number one and obviously we went, 
we went up to the championship and then straight up and i think we were we were in the top two as well at one point in that season to then get it, yeah. into the into the playoffs and uh come so very close and that's i guess that's why he's number your number one yeah i mean it wasn't purely on that criteria we'll come to magic moments and uh for me he gave me probably one of the most memorable rides as a Bristol City fan, those two seasons, the players that he had. I can remember watching um, uh, the, that era when Marvin, Ellen, Marvin Elliott was in his pomp when he was running the game. I looked at I looked at the side in front of me. I remember sitting in the Dolman stand and thinking, this is one of the best, if not the best, Bristol City sides I've ever seen in terms of balance, in terms of flair. He had the workers, he had the, those kinds. And it looked like and it seemed like those players were playing for the man. We'll talk about Cottrell in a minute. That's the other That's the other great man manager we've had. Uh, the problem is with man managers, it always unravels at some point. So in other words, you buy your own team, you get your own team together. But at some point, when it when someone, someone goes the other way, it tends to unravel. Yeah. It's the likes of Mourinho. You go through yeah. a written for that manager. And Gary Johnson was one of those. But when it was working, I thought, do you know what? As, as Matt said, this guy believes in the club. He's obviously got a great relationship with the chairman. He, he was Mr. Bristol City. His PR was exceptional. I know his boy... Is very much like it, but the, Gary was the real deal when it came to that. I I went to Latvia on that preseason tour, and he was his, his engagement with the fans was excellent. He'd come over, and and you, you just felt it was sincere. He enjoyed that side of the of the of the game as well. But as you said, we were ninety minutes away from the highest I've ever you know seen Bristol City. Obviously, I watched them in the first division when I was young, but didn't appreciate it. But this was my team. We were ninety minutes away from getting to the to the hallowed ground. And I believe we'd have had a we'd have had a great season or two up there as well under Gary Johnson because he would have he would have made a plan mm. to be competitive, and he yeah. was that kind of manager. And he was wily. You knew he made a plan. I mean, just magic moments as well. I mean, tripping up the player and you know who Chop, was that? Chopra, Chopra, Chopra Cardiff. Chopra. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and he's, he's you know, and that you can see why he goes up against Warnock. He loves being that kind of character and stuff. So no, for me, Gary Johnson. Built a team that season and the season before, the likes of McComb, the likes of uh, Shawomni, players yeah. that were going to get us out of that division. Mm. And then he adapted. And then then he bought players with flair like Trundle and stuff. So it wasn't as though he was all, you know, it was all Trundle about Carl, the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, for me, for me, I still, it's a, it's a, it's a bitter, bittersweet period because we got yeah. so close. But no, for, Gar for me, Gary Johnson was the real deal in my time supporting City. And as I said, nearly got us there. So that's why he was my number one. And it still means a lot to him. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He did a nice speech in the Supporters Club uh, last season. And he was really choked up, really yeah. choked up. So you could tell that obviously it still means still means so much to him, Matt. Yeah, yeah. And, and as, as I say, you know, you, you just knew how much he, he loved Bristol City. Um, we obviously had the, the additional connection with, with Joe Bryan and Joe Bryan's dad, you know, when, when Gary was going through his heart problems. Um, being the surgeon as well, but fundamentally, as a, as a football manager, he got what we were about. Um, and I, I've, in a, a sort of you know macabre kind of way, I've gone back and watched that whole City game live oh. a number of times. And honestly, how we never won that, I do not know. And I think a lot of us look back on that game as, God, what a, what a dreadful game in, you know, the the wind ass goal. But but we had so many chances in comparison. Um, I don't know why you just, could do it to yourself. I know, mate, I know, but it just <laughs> it just shows fine lines in sport, isn't it? Um, and that, like Dean that, says, like, it, 
it would have been a hell of a ride if we'd got there. Yeah. Steve Lansdowne would have backed him as he does all his managers. So it's those those sliding door moments, yeah. No, for me, for me, uh, I, I I appreciate you doing that. I think it's still too raw for me. I mean, I I just listened to <laughs> still too soon. I mean, all, yeah. Yeah, too soon, too soon. I just, Honestly, I mean, have a look though. You cannot believe the amount of possession no, and chances we had. I, I you know, know, we really and did. I've never, I've never known a game so go so quickly. As soon as that ball hit the yeah. back of the net, it was almost like yeah. the the rest of the game, and it was relatively early on. But you know, everything the you know Bradley or. Jamie McComb getting not ill. Being well, yeah. that. The fact that Marvin had to move back into fullback, it was just not going to be our day. But yeah. just before we forget on Gary Johnson, there was another side to him, of course. And, you know, I'm mates with Steve Phillips. Steve Phillips yeah. wouldn't have his top five because he was no. the one that popped him out. And what, what I remember Steve telling me was he'd made up his mind about him. He wanted a new goalie and there was going to be no coming back. And yeah. I saw that his boy as well with the likes of Luke Ayling. So when you're that kind of manager, when you think this player's for me or not, and it's very black or white, you, you, you know, you've got to... You've got to, you've got, you've got to, you've got to go through with your convictions. And he backed it up. He brought in a team that got him, got him to, got him to nearly the promised land. But eventually, of course, it only takes one or two. The incident down in Plymouth that goes down into folklore, where we kind of lost the dressing room, and it unravels very quickly with those kind yeah. of managers. Sure, we'll talk about Cots as well. So the the highs are very high, but the lows they don't tend to come through it. They tend to go when that happens, so it's interesting. But no, I think it's it's time it's time came to move on, and let's not let's let's face it. He's still do, he's still doing a job wherever he goes. I mean, yeah. he loves the game, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Talk, I'm not sure. Talking yeah, fans talking. will will fill that at the moment, but yeah, did he yeah, stay? No, did he, and I haven't I, I haven't seen him. He stayed at Torquay despite their relegation. He, I he did. So. I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. So. And we all we've all got a soft spot for Torquay because Gary Johnson. Because of Gary Johnson, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, right. Let's get this completed then. So one manager left to talk about. Uh, he's your number one, Matt. He's number three for you, Dean, and he's number one for me also. Uh, so Steve Cottrell, 116 games managed, 46% win ratio. And winning the double, obviously, is a big part of the reason why he's my number one. Fantastic season. Singing, we are the champions at Ashton Gate, uh, lifting the trophy there and at Wembley. It's something I'll never forget. It was just a shame that we didn't have four sides of the four sides of Ashton Gate singing and celebrating. But nonetheless, the atmosphere was was electric. Very very passionate man. I don't know if you remember Matt the story that Alan Hedford told us about him giving him that really expensive bottle of um, absolutely bottle of perfume yeah. um, at the end of the season after him sort of expressing an interest earlier in the season. Little moments like that re really mean a lot um to me and that connection that he had with the staff and he would have been someone that you would have wanted to perform for and that is main reason why he got such a tune out of that team in the 2014-15 season um and Matt you've got the the squad photo there as well um, I have yeah I have uh so yeah it's it's just a season that will live long in the memory and traveling sort of, you know, home and away that season as well, feeling part of the team. It was a real, there was a real connection with the team. And that would have been Cottrell saying, you go over and say thanks to those fans and show, show how much you appreciate you, them coming on the journey with you. And that, that team was just really, really cohesive, Matt. And that would have been down to Steve. Steve Cottrell's the, the, the only manager that's given me a championship winning team in, in my Bristol City 46, 47 years of following them. Uh, and I'm trying to think who's it he replaced? 
yeah, O'Driscoll, well, Pemberton yeah. for a month. Pemberton, but, yeah. But then, then, then um, Steve, Steve Cottrell got linked. Um, and as some listeners may know, I, I write the Bristol Post column. Do you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned yeah. it to you before. Um, but I remember saying, you know, that the names that were linked, there's no way I want this bloke, Steve Cottrell. You know, I've seen him when he was manager at Knott's <laughs> Forest. Um, with his his big sort of gold chain around his neck, we played a game against Portsmouth when he was manager there, um, and we we beat them. Um, and he came out and, and was really disparaging of us and the fact that how lucky we were. And and I just didn't didn't get him at all. Didn't want him. Um, thought it would be a terrible appointment. He had a bit of a reputation for sort of long ball. Um, God, how wrong I was. Um, you know, he came in, did what he needed to do that first season. One of his early games was a cup, an FA Cup game against a non-league team, I think, um, which is, again escapes me. Um, but he came in, steadied the ship. We we were sort of defensively sound. Tamworth away. There you go. Yeah, um, we were defensively sound. And then what he did was in that that close season recognise we needed to sign players. I can't even think how many seasons he was with us for, Patch, actually. Whether it was that season or the season after, but the season where he went in and he, he recognised I need to do my business early and I need to get the best of what I can get. And he, he went to the league below and got the best players. The likes of um, Luke Freeman, um, Corey Smith, you know, Corey Smith, you know Luke Aylin, Marlon. Um, you know, he, he got players that were not Wilbs. your your starlets. Yeah, the Wilbs is obviously a, diff- a different story, isn't it? but not your starlets. Um, players that, that, yes, if you knew your, your football, you, you'd have heard of, but how many of us were, were overly excited with any of those signings, really? And what he did was gel that team into into that, a team. Um, I think the trip where they went um, abroad, was it Mombasa or somewhere? Um, and you know that that galvanised them as a group. You know we've heard a lot of players Bots, talk about that. Botswana, Botswana thank you. Yeah, they came down Steve Lansdowne's uh, safari lodge in, in yeah. Botswana down here. They, yeah, that, that was but incredible. made made Bring such a yeah exactly that Dean and um, it was a, a camaraderie that that I don't think we we necessarily seen the like of before. I think probably. Funny enough, with the Ashton Gate Eight, the, the team of the seventies and the local lads and the Scots, we had that. But following that, um, and and obviously you get a little bit because of social media now. You see far more go, that goes on. But those lads still go on holiday together now. Yeah. You know, you the, the Corey Smiths, the Marlon Packs, the Luke Canes, the Luke Freemans, they're all big, big mates. And that was because of the way that the team spirit was forged. And that comes from the top. And Steve Cottrell did that. As we talked earlier on with Lee and Gary, he engaged with the fans. We all loved the, you know, the Swindon sort of situation. Um, very, very honest in terms of the way he was. Too honest, probably. Um, but yeah, you know, as you say, Patch, to the to the day I die, one of my favourite moments. And I, and funnily enough, it's not in my top five because it's it's on the pitch. I I was thinking, but pitch. being in being in that stand and singing, we are the champions. Yeah, tears rolling down my cheek. Yeah. And yeah, I'm an emotional guy, but I loved it, loved it. And that was thanks to Steve Cottrell. And, you know, I think Shrewsbury fans have seen what Steve Cottrell's about, went through that horrendous mm, COVID yeah. experience. Um, and 
I hope he gets back into another job. Steve Cotter's the sort of manager I dread when Rovers are looking for a manager and he's out of work. God. Because I think, God, what could that bloke do? Um, Cot- yeah, Cots and Wilbs at Rovers. It, be, uh... it, oh, it'd be devastating, wouldn't it? Absolutely devastating. Um, but yeah, lo- love him. And I, I, I met him. Um, he was in... Um, House of Fraser in town, walking round, and Ryan I thought, Allen's I, perfume. I thought I've got to go over and speak to him. Went over <laughs> and spoke to him. He was he was with his his wife or his partner at the time. Just very engaging, um, and like you say, Fatch. Fundamentally, we did the double over him, and what a team! What a team that was. And the win the win percentage that season was sixty four percent. I think there that you go. Be the highest, yeah, um, for quite some time. Um, right, so that brings us to the end of our picks. So let's have a look at the the pivot table. So if you put Steve Cottrell as your number one, he gets five points. If you put him as your number five, he gets one point. This is a survey of 17 people. So in 10th place is Dean Holden. Ooh. So Dean Holden was, was at 10th. His win percentage was actually 44%. Uh, yeah. Number nine is Keith Millen, 68 68 games managed, 34% win ratio. Then in eighth place is Nigel Pearson, 115 games managed, 31% win ratio. And I think that's um, obviously for the fact that he's come in and steadied the ship, not got a lot of yeah, money he, to spend. He would have been Rock Academy. Yeah, Rob, Rob Blame is in Nigel Wills. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was just going to say, yeah. Rob, uh, Rob, I've, I've just Nigel, he's probably got them as a number one, and that's what gets him that, that position. Yeah, yeah. I've just, I think yeah. that is correct. I've just checked. Um, yep. Right, into seventh place, it's John Ward, who we've spoken about. Then in sixth place, not in any of our top fives, but Danny Wilson. Yeah, uh, yeah rightly so. 225 games managed, 48% win ratio, and that's the highest of all of these 10 managers in terms of win ratios. And there are so many nearly moments, Matt, with Danny Wilson, in oh. that, that galvanised local young team. Yeah, I, I've always looked at it as a supporter that as long as year on year we progress then I was happy that the man, unless anything happened that, you know, um, it was sort of untenable, but Danny Wilson was really unlucky to lose his job when he did. You know, we, we lost to Brighton in that playoff final, probably made mistakes. I think he probably looks back and thinks, I wish I played Leroy Lita. Um, and we progressed, you know, we, we'd got to the playoffs the year before. Um, I think we lost to Cardiff. Um, then we got to the final and you kind of then thought you've got to give him next season because that should then be automatic promotion or, or playoff win for, for promotion. So always thought he was unlucky. And again, probably managed in an era when things went on that, that shouldn't have gone on and, and was old school in terms of drinking and things like that. But but again, a thoroughly nice bloke patch, wasn't he? Yeah, fantastic. Isn't he? Isn't he? I should isn't say. He? Yeah. So in fifth fifth place is Lee Johnson who we've spoken about, fourth place, Joe Jordan, third place, Terry Cooper, second place, Steve Cottrell, uh, which means in first place is Gary Johnson. So Gary Johnson pips Steve Cottrell by eight points. Um, So, yeah, really close at the top. Terry Cooper and Joe Jordan actually had the same number of points. They effectively joined third. But, but yeah, there's your top. I'm laughing because you sod said to me that Benny Lennartson was third. <laughs> and I was absolutely poised for this podcast to be given it. Who on earth? Now, can I ask, did anybody? No, so obviously nobody had Benny Lennartson in their top. Yeah, thank God no. for that. But 
but I reckon if well, you well survey... done, Pat. You had me there, mate. Yeah, it's not hard. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if I think we've we've spoken about this before on Robins Reunited. If you surveyed the players, players of, of yeah. that era, I I expect you probably would be in some of their top yeah. fives. But um, yeah, not not the greatest time in terms of results at Ashton Gate for him. But there's your there's your top ten, and um, we're going to transition now into magic moments your bristol based car body repair company visit us at cribs causeway or central bristol or we can even come to you with our mobile service at your home or workplace have you got a scuff scratch or dent on your vehicle dent magic can fix them all if you need the magic touch for your vehicle visit www.dentmagic.net to get your quick quote online today so we're going to bring in rob blamey for this as well rob you've been comfortably sat there listening along were you happy with gary johnson steve cottrell terry cooper joe jordan as your top three there, there was something i said no fixed criteria but i think with jordan i just there was just something about him that i, I found yeah. magnetizing and yeah, maybe, maybe it was the age i was at the time but yeah mm. just a real sort of folklore hero for me joe jordan uh terry cooper obviously we touched on because of wembley um Lee Johnson, for me, sort of got a little bit higher than you guys, purely on the innovation um, and and the mindset. Not necessarily everything was perfect because we know it wasn't, but there were some amazing highs. And Matt talked about enjoyed the football under Cottrell, um, which everyone must have. But I really enjoyed the football under Johnson before it went wrong. I, I, I think... Of memory, yes, I caught the the end of the old first division, but on on memory, um, I, I just remember some of the the absolutely scintillating football that took us all the way up to the uh, the Man City games. Yeah, and and it was I hadn't seen the like of it before. The speed at which we were playing, the the intricacy, the movement, and and that's what swayed me up towards Johnson. Yeah, right. Let's come on to magic moments then. I'm gonna. Go through our our top fives. Um, so this first one is Matt's number five. It's Rob's number one, and it's also Dean's number five. And we're just going to give you a quick clip for this. Here we go. Allison now inside the penalty area. Surely the shot comes in. That magic moment is obviously <laughs> Brian Tinian's goal away at Liverpool. And and I actually wasn't watching the goal then. I was watching your three faces and the smiles and the the, the almost disbelief <laughs> of that goal. And what a moment. The the heavy touch from Wayne Allison, the key contribution. Um, and then Tinian swinging his left foot, his trusty left foot, knocking it past Bruce Grobelar to beat Liverpool away and cost Graham Sunes his job. So, Matt, your number five is that goal. I mean, I've got goosebumps now, but re-watching it again, um, I was was in um, the away end at Anfield. 
amazing, me- amazing memory, amazing scenes. Great goal. Actually, although Wayne had heavy touch, the the, the little sort of um, first passenger play with that and the way that he, he got the ball was was a great bit of skill. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of those moments, isn't it, as Bristol City fan? And, and I, again, easily could be my number one. I think probably, again, the memory being what it is, you, you, I've probably picked more modern memories, but that was an iconic moment. It was special beyond belief. Great finish. I, I do think if VAR was around today, it possibly <laughs> would be ruled off. He looked to touch offside, but um, it was just a, a, a magical night. And I hope that, that some of you were there as well. And we can talk about it, but the emotion and at the end of the game, the cop clapping my side off, you know, and let's bear in mind where we were as well in the, in the league sort of situation as well. It wasn't like we were a championship side now where it wouldn't have been that much of a shock. And we'd had the two games before that, the, the floodlight one, you know, the replay and so they then get to Anfield. Um, and it's kind of topical with what they've announced recently, you know, this this week about the FA Cup. That you know, early I, th- I think replays completely are being proposed to be dissolved. Mm, that. Um, next, midweek next, games from next, not this yeah, season, not this season, season after. after. And you think, um, you know, we we possibly wouldn't have had that moment without replays. You know, I know Exeter City, for example, when they had Man United, that saved Exeter City as a football club, the replay, because of the money they got. And it's those sort of things that unless the money is getting passed down from the Premier League, they need the, the FA need to think about it from that. But yeah, that that goal patch, as I said, I've got goose goosebumps and could easily have been my number one as well as my number five. Yeah. Coming up to 30 years now, uh Dean, from uh, from from that moment. But uh, were you able to attend that one? Well, no, I, I wasn't. I listened to Phil Tottle's commentary on Radio Bristol as I grew up doing. And uh, I, I'd been to both of the the home games, the the, yeah. the one-all draw and the floodlight failure with, with my old man. But at that stage, I wasn't really going away. I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm down in West Somerset. I'm an hour from Bristol. It's and on midweek. I just wish I could turn back the clock and I would have got there. Oh, me I too. I was, I was stuck and, in school. <laughs> oh, you, you, but you, and you know how much I love a night out in Liverpool. I mean, now it would have been. Way too- <laughs> hey, that that white shirt would have been a bit too big in those days, mate. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Oh, I'd have I'd have gone big after that game. But that that commentary, I think that was actually Stato. Did you know that was Angus? It? Angus um, was it really? Angus Lochran. Lochran. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't sound like him, does it? Yeah, but yeah. someone told me that, and I couldn't believe it. But listen, if you listen back and think, you recognise it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Rob, you were there, obviously. Well, yeah, as you said, it was it was my number one. Um, I, I can't remember how I framed it. Probably not specifically Tinian's goal, more just the. Well, you put Liverpool there. away, but this, this yeah. I've, I've picked a moment for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it's it's really as as Matt describes. It was the uh, the whole night. It was I can remember this is back in the days of um, being able to smoke in stadiums, and I I can remember talking to my mate next to me and. Injury time came up, and I, I quickly pulled out, I don't know, a Marlboro or something like that, and uh, said to him, if I finish this and Liverpool haven't scored, we've won. You've never seen <laughs> me smoke a fag so quickly. <laughs> um, Brilliant. So it's, it, it just, uh, you know, it was it was little things, and I'm sure we've seen them back on the video as well. It was Dave Martin putting a crunching tackle in, sort of down towards Junior the corner Bent's at our end, and then... Keith Welsh's performance. Robin, Robinson, yeah, um, 
and there, there and and as Matt said, it was the the magnitude at that stage in our era. We we had obviously there were things that have since followed, mm. but at that stage, this was so out of the realms of possibility that yeah. our little club Bristol City could go to the mighty Liverpool and turn them over. Not only as Dean mentioned, had we contested twice at home, um, but then to go away and turn them over as well. It just the whole magnitude of the whole thing was just yeah. incredible for me. So it's not in my top five because my my criteria, like Dean's, was I have to be there and I wasn't there. Um so but obviously if I was, I'm sure it would definitely be in my top it five. It was my it was manager. Russell Osman, wasn't it? Osman. Russell Osman. Yeah. 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 I'm just yeah. I'm just looking because I've got a, a plaque up on me wall that shows the goal and Lee, but the team... Leroy, Leroy was assistant to them yeah, yeah yeah assistant to yeah but the, the team Keith Welsh Andy Llewellyn Martin Scott Mark Shell Stuart Monroe mm-hmm. Rob Edwards Dave Martin Junior Bent who was replaced on 81 minutes by Patch Glenn Pennyfather very good uh, <laughs> Liam Robinson Wayne Allison Brian Tinian um, yeah yeah fantastic stuff what a night what a night um just before we go on uh obviously we usually do a little bit of a shout out to um some previous to the last 40 years managers and obviously we have to talk about alan dix of course um alan dix the man who got bristol city to the top flight and was manager for um so so many years but um yeah just wanted to quickly throw that in there before someone has a go at us for uh, not mentioning him but obviously definitely Definitely deserves a mention in there as Bristol City's most successful ever manager, Matt. I mean, I guess, I guess he's got to be argument. Get, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, get getting us to the first division, keeping us in the first division for those number of years. Yeah, um, yeah. but and and getting a, a team as I've talked about with the Cottrell sort of team, getting a team that they're all they're all still mates now. Right. So now, Rob, this is your number five. So it had to be decided in extra time. No goals in the first 15 minutes, but then this. Neville scores three two to City and they're off to Wembley. (laughs) That extra time winner saw City en route for the first time to Wembley. The club, of course, had never been there before, and for the players, many of who are in the twilight of their career. A one-off chance to play at the famous home of English soccer. So, Rob, tell us about that moment. I wasn't there watching, um, but even now I'm getting goosebumps and I wasn't even there. (laughs) Again, this all comes down to the the story, really. Um, I'd gone to the away leg. Um, If I remember rightly... League-wise, we would have been favourites for the tie. I even yeah. think I think Hereford might have been the league below. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I think yeah. they were, Rob. I think they were. Um, yeah. And so gone to Edgar Street up in Hereford probably a week before, lost 2-0. You almost thought this is, a, you know, that dream of Wembley, which we really, you know, going into that first leg, thought, right, this is it. At Bristol City going to get a Wembley. Almost seemed cruelly snatched away from us. And... If I remember how the home game panned out, it was still nil-nil for quite a long time into the normal 90 minutes. Um, I think Hereford hit the bar and could have made it 3-0 on aggregate. 
Um, so Riley scored in the 62nd minute, and that was an own goal, 64th minute. Right, yeah. Okay, and then obviously ex- extra time. So, again, I mean, what, what year are we talking? We're talking 86 here, aren't we? Yeah. So I'd, I'd, have been, I'd have been 13. So, you know, you're kicking a ball around as a kid. You Everything's all focused around Wembley. Wembley is the mecca. Um, only a privilege for, you know, your very, very top clubs. And then all of a sudden you've got this this lower league competition that's been introduced. And it, and it suddenly gives the likes of Bristol City a, a chance to go to Wembley. So I think the emotion of, of, of that moment overturning what looked like a lost cause um, to go to Wembley was, yeah, a huge highlight for me. Brilliant. Great stuff. Right, let's come on to my number five then. What have we got here? No commentary, but it's Bobby Reed stepping up at the Etihad. Wins the penalty and then he's ice cool as he Get took the emotion penalty now. Off. Under so much pressure here. They've had a brilliant first half, Bristol City. All they needed really, icing on the cake, was a goal. And to have this opportunity, well, you could easily spurn it. Bravo maybe gets fingertips on it. But the important thing is it ends up in the back of the net. It's been a dream. So Bobby Reed's goal at the Etihad sending us 1-0 up. And at half time, that concourse was something that I'll never forget. Everyone was just astounded, amazed. We really deserved to be one and up as well, which was the which was the best thing. And I've said this multiple times, but when we were singing, we we're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. We we're beating Man City, and you kind of led yourself to believe that for a split second. <laughs> um, but it was just the manner in which we went about the game. Obviously, there was a game plan. We we played. We equaled them. Um, for, for me, but that that moment in particular, Jamie Patterson darts into the box, gets taken down, and then Bobby by John Stones. Was it right? Okay, thanks, John Stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that sort of delayed celebration from the crowd, because obviously we're we're up the other end in the gods, and you almost don't quite believe it, and then you celebrate. So again, all of these moments that I'm going to play clips on that are in our top fives, our four top fives all make the hairs on your hand on your on your arm stand up don't they uh so so that was um that was my number five i'm just looking through uh uh rob that's your number three yeah uh, again you've you've picked a lot of the essence of that patch um just going to give a little nod back to the managers obviously this was what i was referencing under lee johnson um you know this was this was masterminded. This is this is genius in, in that respect. Um, and, and like you say, the concourse that from the penalty to the halftime, you know that whole dreamy situation. Um, I remember Flint's header last gasp header over the off, bar yeah, off the, off the um, line, yeah. And the sheer numbers of it was eight thousand. We had we had the whole end, mm. the atmosphere. The almost, um, I don't know, the, the sort of pinch me moment, wasn't it, of actually going ahead and, as Matt just said, deservedly. Yeah. Um, Bobby Reed as well. He's never going to take a penalty ever like that where the whole, you know, the whole end of singing his name as he's taking the penalty. 
I mean, nerves aside, I, I just think that's mm. such a rare moment. It, it's just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's come on to Matt's number four. Now the moment he's been waiting for. It's all coming home to Bristol. So that is the Freight Rover Trophy win in 1986. Um, and Dean, your number two was our first visit to Wembley. So I've picked that moment of the trophy lift as uh, as the moment. And, and Matt, for you, I, I don't think you were there, but it's still in your in your top five. Yes, my only one of the top five that I want, want at the game because I had to work, um, but listen to it on, on the radio. Um, and again, I, I remember watching the highlights on the night and crying. Um, there's a lot of crying goes on for Bristol City for me. Um, I think we could all be crying at any of these. Players. I just, it, it was just again from from following us into the first division and, and being able to see us play in the first division, to then seeing us go down like we did, and and you know the first team successive seasons to get relegated from the top flight to the bottom flight, um, and we were in real danger of going out as existence as we know, as we've talked about so many times. So a few years later to see us do this and, and Rob's sort of point with the Hereford game in the semi-final, what a great addition this trophy was for clubs like ours at the time. And to give clubs like ours and clubs like Mansfield and, you know, yeah, that there are bigger clubs, the Bolton, for example, that, that have also got to experience it. But we would, we, we would probably... And we've actually got close a couple of times. Obviously, the, the playoffs coming into play is different. But we would never have got close to a Wembley Cup final had it not been for mm. the Freight River Trophy and, you know, the, the LDV, et cetera, et cetera. So great innovation. But that day was so special, extra special for me because, you know, as we've already talked about, I loved Glyn Riley. And so Glyn Riley scoring two goals. But it contained the team of special players, you know, and, and none more so than Walshie. Um, you know, it was just, it was a magic, magic time and just an unbelievable day, I'm sure, for everybody that went, you know, seeing on the news patch, the coaches and the cars going up the motorway, the likes of which we just never, ever experienced as Bristol City fans. So just, just tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, as I said, multiple times I've watched that on videotape. Uh, but Dean, that was your number two. Yeah, a memory from childhood, really. I mean, say childhood. I was in my teens then, going up with my dad, seeing the fans, as you said, even bumping into one of our neighbours from the village in the in the in the car park at Wembley. It was bizarre, yeah. um, but the whole thing to un- unravel as it did. Uh, I, I I love Glim Riley like you, Matt, and uh, to you know the the goals that he scored, everything about that that day. Terry Cooper at the end. It really was like our team was on the way back and to see, and we hate this word potential to see that end of Wembley filled with Bristol city supporters. You knew that this club was coming back in. And, and for me, the, the, the then we went back the next year. Um, it, nothing went right that day. Our coach broke down on the way to the ground. We were late into late into it. Of course, you know, Gordon Owen missed penalty, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that first day I'll never, ever forget. And it was lovely to beat a team like Bolton as well, because it was a proper team you were, you were playing against as well. I remember thinking that, and they, and let's face it, they had, they had the best of the game early on. And then once we scored the first one, it was always going to be our day, just a mad magic day in my, in my life, really that one. And I bear in mind it's, 
sorry, Patch, Mark Gavin, Tony Coldwell playing for Bolton that day. Oh, yeah. Forget that. But um, City are still the record holders for that trophy, aren't they? Three three wins? Three wins, yeah. 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 Okay, right. Let's see what Rob has got as his number four. On their way to the championship. Point shy. Bristol City 8, Walsall 2. Bristol City, champions of League One. And my word, have they deserved it. A credit to the division. And they have every chance of making their mark in the championship next season. So I've picked that out as the trophy lift, Rob. Your your mm-hmm. your actual nomination was Cots double season, but um, yeah, the the trophy lift at Ashton Gate, obviously winning winning the uh, the Freight Rover or whatever it was called at the time, Johnson's Paint, I think. Uh, trophy. Yeah, I, th- I think I literally yeah d- did sort of say it like that because it, what Max touched on really, it was just never seen before such dominance through a season. Um, you know, okay, lower league, but again, to do the double, we're never going to do that again, are we? It's um, don't say that, Rob. Come on, <laughs> it's the hope that kills us, boy. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, just simply phenomenal. And it was, uh, I think, through the whole season, just that that real cohesion and dominance, uh, not to a point of arrogance, but you literally expected to pretty much win every game. Um, so it, there, there was just that that distance between everybody else. It, it was just a, a really enjoyable season, very stress free, um, and, and yeah, you know, it, you could pick so many moments in that. And that eight two, incredible, with Flint getting a hat trick, including a Rabona. Yeah. You know, just, some of the stuff in that season was just crazy stuff that you just don't get the chance to enjoy on a, a regular basis as we all know so but you yeah, wouldn't want to make that special you wouldn't want to trade trade a season potentially like that for another season in the championship yeah to go to i don't think you ever want to go down if no. if you if you do go down and you get the opportunity to do that again great um and it's interesting i suppose if you talk to you know people who yo-yo between the championship and the premiership but <laughs> For us at the time, you know, we we'd been means more if you remember. means more if you need to do it now and again. Other than like yeah. teams like Norwich and Burnley, who keep going up and down and winning yeah, the, win the ab- league and absolutely. I mean, how how many years had we been in League One before we we went up with Cots? We finished twelfth in the twenty thirteen fourteen season in League One, and then first the following season. So we're only there for one season. Okay, okay, fair enough. Two, two uh, seasons. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think as well. It was the way that um, Cots sort of built that team, and at, and at that time, I think it was we were in quite a fortunate position because I remember he, he literally sort of shopped around the division mm. itself to cream off all the best players from everywhere else. That's that's how it felt at the time. So we we must have been in a a relatively, not, I wouldn't say affluent, but in a position over more of the the others. That we could, you know, we could go out and do that. Yeah. So I think, you know, the likes of Freeman, uh, Ailing, uh, I'm guessing Flint. But yeah, it was just sort of like we cherry picked a handful of players from our peers, and then it just all came together so quickly. And it, and again, the football was really enjoyable. Um, but it's going to be when you're winning every week. I right. just I just think the 
the dominance and you know the fact of pulling off a double um says it all really uh, Matt, that was your number three as well. League champions being crowned. And Dean, it was your uh, number three as well. In fact, the, the whole team was your nomination. Um, but but we'll pick that moment out as the trophy lift. All right, let's see what was my number four now. Here's McKindo. And in, I'm surely now. City are going to Wembley. Michael McKinder from the free kick, seventh goal of the season. 2-1 on the night, 4-2 on aggregate. And surely there is no way back from that from Crystal Palace. Yeah, so my my moment is the the, the Palace home game and specifically that Michael McIndoe free kick because at that point you knew that we were going uh, to Wembley to try and get into the Premier League. So... The, the the those two games the 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 weasel goal from Lewis Carey the David Noble goal um at Crystal Palace uh, was was something that you'll never forget but then to come back to Ashton Gate not the greatest of starts but then we uh, had the Trundle goal and and the Macendo goal as well so a fantastic evening and then and I think on that moment the Macendo goal I think I picked my brother up above my head. Um, to celebrate, wow. which, is, which is no mean feat. Uh, so yeah, it was it was just a magic moment and one that I'll never forget. And obviously, when you talk about moments at Ashton Gate and watching Bristol City away, that one always always sticks out for me. Um, and just looking at the rest of you, so you've got getting to the playoff final. So Dean, that's your number four. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, I, that especially I watched both games on on telly. I was I was living in Northern Ireland at the time, um, and I'm sure we'll come to those big playoff moments against Hartlepool and whatever. And they're my biggest regrets not being there because I've I, I was always part of it on the telly, but I've been to Ashton Gate enough to know exactly what you guys must have gone through. But the whole Warnock thing, I love that team under Gary Johnson. We had the flair, we had the togetherness. And and McIndoe actually, when we were doing our wingers, he he was he was a he was a quality player. He really did give us something as well, so he could pull that out. So I can understand why that was your magic moment. It was brilliant when it hit the back of the net, wasn't it? Yeah. So I specifically said the McIndoe goal. We'll come on to another moment in that uh, in a in a second. But um, we've got we've done the fours and fives. Actually, three, four, and five for all of you, apart from my number three. So here's my number three now. On the pitch, I've just been watching Scott Davidson celebrating with the fans in the technical area. I mean, he's taken so much pride from this event. Listen to the crowd. I mean, I've sat here feel like the, the club just got its heart back. The club just got its heart back was the comment from Gary Harris, and that was the Ashton Gate 8 40th anniversary. And uh, yeah, just a, a moment that will a whole weekend that will live long in my memory to be able to be involved in that as well and see it all pan out and come to fruition and it really was like the the club getting its heart back because those eight players who tore up their contracts to, to save the club back in 1982 uh didn't really feel connection with the club in, in some of them um and now they are ambassadors on match days and it just feels more 
inclusive and more they're definitely more involved in the in the in the club culture so it was just a magic moment and, and matt i'll get your take on on that day as well firstly i'm going to say and not wishing to embarrass you but you you played such a huge part in that mate um and not a lot of people know just how big a part you played in that so um Huge credit to you for for the work that you did there. Gary talked about Scott Davidson, Neil Palmer, obviously. So many people were were involved, but it was magical. Um, for me in particular, the 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 evening before was was really special. Um, not only sort of the eight, but but former players as well, former managers. Um, it was really special. And and Pat, you're so right in terms of those those eight players some of them more than others, but feeling a real disconnect with the club um, and, and not being appreciated for what they did. And and now it couldn't be further from the truth. You've, you've got so many of them as ambassadors um, and they love it. They love the club. Um, something like Mike Ashton then, didn't I? Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it was, it was a, an absolutely massive um, event to put on and the way that it was done was done so professionally and and we talked about it before and, the, and, and some of those discussions you know we'd been there as part of the, the celebrations for the um was it the 125 years anniversary yeah. um which in comparison was was oh well yeah you, you can't compare can you so so many things we've got right that day it was extra special for me because um by coincidence for for my friend trina's 50th we booked hospitality in a box and so there was a dozen of us in a box um one of us charlotte won the lottery so the whole day was just magical um and we got a win um but yeah patch it was rightly so mate for it for it being there um because it was so so special and and again another example of just makes you emotional watching that and realizing what a club we are and and as Gary has quite rightly said you know we, we got our heart back that day and it's it's important that that kind of thing continues um you know we've got to make sure that we we continue going forward but you also keep an eye on what what's gone before and recognize that yeah right I know this isn't all about me but the next clip is my <laughs> number two uh so let's see what I've gone for here play all season long and then in the last couple of minutes it's either snatched from your grasp or you get that little bit of glory. Six minutes of stoppage time. Christian Roberts is through and gets the goal that completes the turnaround for Bristol City. Wild seeds at Ashton Gate because they look down and out with three minutes to go, but now it's all turned around and they know that they are Cardiff-bound thanks to a Cardiff-born player. So that is Christian Roberts' goal at home to Hartlepool to send us to the Millennium Stadium for that uh, that playoff final. And that is the most I've ever felt the ground shake at Ashton Gate. The I was sat in what was the Williams stand at the time. And we'll never forget it. I think it's the last time I, I ever took my wife to a, to a match. So uh, there was jubilant scenes in the stands. But it was the fact that we were down and out Three, three or four minutes before that, uh, Mark Goodfellow, smallest player on the pitch, scores from a header from a Christian Roberts cross. And then there's that long ball forward from Dean's mate, Steve Phillips, flicked on by Leroy Lita. Goodfellow involved again, threads it through. Roberts is away. 
and everything just went right in that moment and the iconic moment of scotty murray kicking a kicking over the sound <laughs> mic as well it, it was just fantastic and to get to speak to jeff selling about that on the the three peeps regular show a couple of years ago and he even even he couldn't believe uh the atmosphere that was generated that evening at ashton gate and in terms of atmospheres at ashton gate that for me um is right up there and we'll come on to some other moments in a minute that didn't actually make any of your top fives though um wow yeah so that was in that was my number two uh, i was surprised yeah any, surprised any, it didn't comments? have it in <laughs> yeah surprised i didn't have it in but the, the competition is fierce um, but i i recall that moment exactly for the same reason patch as you the vibrations um, I was in the dolmen and I literally thought the dolmen stand was going to fall down. <laughs> Fantastic. I watched it. I, the funny thing was, again, um, I was going to be away for the final. I had a conference in America. So I kind of cut off my nose to spite my face. I was in London watching that. And I thought, I'm not going to go to the final. Um, so I didn't kind of engage with that game. And of course, I was, I was actually, would you believe, I can't believe it. I was watching a concert in Shepherd's Bush. I came out of the concert to watch the last 10 minutes of that game. In oh, a that was lucky. <laughs> with, the, with the noise on and to see that happen, it was a surreal, surreal moment. And I knew I'd missed one of the most iconic moments in my club's history. And then, then of course, uh, what happened later at our playoff. But uh, no, amazing. I've heard so many people say that's the loudest they've ever heard Ashton Gate. And this the rocking of the stand. I mean, it must have been incredible. And, and a shout out for... Uh, for for the Hartlepool manager, the uh, late Neil Cooper, Neil, I Neil Cooper, I mean, yeah. yeah. I see, I see his face. He looks absolutely crestfallen. Yeah, and and yeah. I've got a Hartlepool fan uh, as a mate, and he still talks about that. Devastating because a club of that size to be so close to come down and do us over, which they did, yeah. and then have it snatched away. Amazing. What what was the first leg? Was it one one? It was one one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who yeah. scored for us up there? Um. It wasn't Rougier, was it? I was just thinking, was it Rougier? But then in my head, I know Rougier scored at Barnsley. Barnsley, yeah. Was it but Barnsley? I, I, I'm thinking Rougier. What year What year is this? 2003. 2003. 2003 to 2004, yeah? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, hang on. Uh... It is, yeah. That's it. Was it? Yeah. So, so uh, Hartlepool away. The goal was by, yeah, Rougier in the fifth minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, early on, and it's it's funny, isn't it? You know, obviously, and we we we'll all name him now. But the the goal scorer that got us back into the game on that night, Mark yeah. Goodfellow, Mark Goodfellow, which you know, Mark Goodfellow, I I, I remember seeing him score away for, against Notts County for us. But you know, not, not a player that would live long in the memory for Bristol City fans, other than the fact when he played 22, what, 22 games. There you go. But what a goal! What a header! Um, and yeah, you're right, Patch, an unbelievable night. And Christian Roberts, I don't think he was anyone's top five strikers, but we we, we talked about um, and talked about because of that very goal, wasn't it? I- iconic moments, yeah. Right, so Matt, you're number two now. Okay. Spotted Speroni off his line. After just hitting the bar. He's all once more. Pumps it back in. To Trundle. It's in! And City are back in front through Lee Trundle. And could be, that be the goal that takes them to Wembley? 
But yeah, it's it's the game we've spoken about already. I went for the Macendo moment. Matt, you went for yep. the Trun- Trundle moment and a fantastic goal. The way he sort of taps it inside with his right foot and then unleashes it, curling into the into the top corner with his left foot. Yeah, Pasperoni. Yeah, and then the celebration afterwards, the the sort of pumping of his chest and Ivan Sproul being there. It just you know, I've 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 seen some comments because I had Trundle in, in my top five for uh, um, strikers and fans were like, oh, he only ever did one thing, in, which isn't the case at all. But yeah, that, that one thing, if you want to look at it like that, what a, what a moment. Um, I was sat in the Atio stand and there were a couple of guys um, who sat in front of me by a couple of rows who everything Lee Trundle did, they couldn't stand. I think it was a bit of a Swansea bias. That night when that ball went in, God, did I run down to them and celebrate in front of their faces. Um, <laughs> I, let, I let them know exactly what I thought of them, what I thought of Lee Trundle as a result. And just a, a special night, as you said, Patch, you know, we, we, we've talked about the game. We've talked about the McKinder goal. Something that probably goes unsaid and he gets a load of stick, but Neil Warnock applauds that McKindo goal. Um, he kind of recognises that the game's up and that's it. But, you know, that, that again perhaps speaks a little bit about Neil Warnock. But it was just a special goal patch. Great finish. Um, you know, it was a, a nervy night, wasn't it, for all of us? And, and that kind of settled things down a little bit. And then obviously we, we go on like we did. But, yeah, brilliant goal. Fantastic. Uh, right. Let's have a look at Dean's number one. So Dean's number one moment coming up now. Congratulations to Bristol City. They are promoted back to the championship. Uh, the first time they've been at the second level of English football since 1999. They've knocked at the door. They've rapped at the door. They've kicked at the door. And today, finally, it's come open. Gary Johnson is the man who has got the goal, uh, has taken them there. The goal's coming from two from David Noble, one from Alex Russell, his 50th career goal. It's a fabulous season for Bristol City. And they, along with Scunthorpe, are promoted and Nottingham Forest and Blackpool have to settle for a playoff place. Dean, you've gone for it's the 5th of May 2007, promotion from League One to the Championship under Gary Johnson, City 3, Rotherham 1. Yeah, just absolutely love that day. Everything about it. Do you remember we had that big one? Lovely breakfast. Nottingham Forest and we were just neck and neck with them all the time and that was the day that it all just came together and I'd, I'd followed them I'd followed them around a lot I was living in living in Northern Ireland came back I was it was doing a lot of traveling to follow the team just love what Gary Johnson was building I remember going on the pitch hadn't I don't think I'd ever done that before I'd never I'd never been one of those guys to run on the pitch we all went on the pitch the celebrations in the stand but I think the memory afterwards there were there were people there I I got to know there were even a couple of lads from Northern Ireland, the Hearth brothers, they were over. We And the, the party in Bedminster, I don't know where you guys ended up, but there was like a street party. Everybody was out on the street um, and it was just amazing. And my biggest regret, my biggest regret of the whole thing was not carrying on in the local pubs. We, we chased mm. in the evening and we went into a club in the city centre and we kind of lost it. But being in that, I can't remember what the pub is along Coronation Road. Is the Avon Packet? Avon yeah. Packet, yeah. 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 Being in there, afterwards and the old boys started to sing the old first division songs and stuff like that i just thought it was just the most magical day so it's a very personal experience for me very personal um magic day of everything coming together uh of 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 of, of winning promotion and as i said that's why the gary johnson's given me some of my best memories um 
in terms of in terms of magic moments, it's up there. I I I was just wondering whether I put going to Wembley as one of my memories, but that's not a magic moment. That that's probably the most. Well, for me, it still still haunts me that going to memory seeing Bristol City one game away from the, the from the Premier League. But yeah, that that promotion was special for me because of what it meant and what happened that for the rest of the day. It was a sunny day and we all just enjoyed it. I remember Noble scoring and Russell scoring it just took the pressure off. There was a yeah. tension. We were so close, but there yeah, was, it was a fantastic. Massive expectation that it was going to be, you know, almost like a walk in the park, and it it wasn't that way. <laughs> For, for quite some time until we had those, you know, those couple of goals. But just looking at the stats that season, do you know who the top goal scorer was that season? Any guesses? Byfield? No, nope, that was... The... Oh, that was the Steve following Thunder. year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um... Phil Jevons. Yeah, yeah, Phil Jevons. Jevons. Yeah, 17 shot. goals, Phil Jevons, that season, followed by Enoch Shawumni on 15. Enoch was up there. And then Scotty Murray on nine, um, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. What 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 a what a season, as you say, and yeah, that that when that Alex Russell sort of goal went in, you you just knew that that we secured secured that promotion. So um, yeah, to and there was a massive rivalry with Forest, wasn't there? Do you remember that there was back and forwards, and uh, the pit them for the actual last promotion spot was fantastic. I remember that. Yeah, love it. Right, let's have a look at. My number one, uh, Matt's number one, and Rob's number two now. Still life in this perhaps for Bristol City. In by Taylor. It's Smith! The roof has just come off here at Ashton Gate. Stoppage time. Bristol City two. Manchester United one. Now, if that doesn't make you cry, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously it's Corey Smith's winning goal at Ashton Gate against Man United, the holders of the Carabao Cup, as it was, as it is. Um, and the, the it's got the swing in there with Lee Johnson and the and the ball boy. But that commentary, and I don't know who that commentator is, but I need to find out and get him on the podcast because the words that he uses, everyone will know exactly, you know, that it's Smith. There's still yeah. life in this for Bristol City yet. All of those sorts of things. It adds to the watchback, but obviously actually being there without the commentary, it's it's a magic moment in itself because it was disbelief, I think, for me. I thought we were holding on, holding on. And then that goal just comes. Joe Bryan wins it really, really well out on the touchline, um, feeds the ball forward. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a really well-worked goal with Corey Smith involved, you know, at, at the at the start. It was a one-two, wasn't it? One-two with Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, we I think we both got Matt the the um the, the diagrammatic we have. poster yep. of, of the goal. Yeah. And yeah, that's my number one. And uh, also Matt, your number one. Just, I mean, the, the whole night magical. Um, in terms of, of of holding on, I think because it was so late, um, I'm one of those those fans that when it's late, I'm not looking at we'll get the last minute winner. I'm looking at right, we'll take it into extra time, so we've got another thirty minutes to kind of be okay with it. I always probably says more about me fear fear the negative that they'll score late and then we can't do anything. But 
it was all of it, Patch, wasn't it? It was the fact that it was a late goal. It was the fact that it was, um, you know, Corey Smith. Um, and then, you know, that Man United team, the holders, but a team that contained Rashford, Pogba, Ibrahimovic. This wasn't, a, you know, a, a team of youngsters or bit part players. And we more than matched our own throughout that game. Um and yeah, that you know, Rashford hit the post. Um, but I think Lukaku. their goal, yeah, their goal was slightly fortunate in terms of the deflection. Great um, save uh, from Luke Steele. Luke as well. Steele, yeah. Um, you know, Joe Joe Bryan's goal alone could be a magic moment because it was just. Yeah. I, I sit in the south stand, and so I'm kind of directly behind that almost. And to see that fizz into that oh, like yeah, it did, got a correct angle. For yeah, that. it was just perfect. And but Corey Smith's goal, it, it went in, and again there were tears. Um, and then with the final whistle going, I remember saying there was a, a young lad that only for one season had got a season ticket in sort of our little group. Um, and I, I tapped him on the shoulder and said, he, I mean, he was in his teens, but I tapped him on the shoulder and said, just just stay and soak this up because I'm telling you now, as a man who's watched us for 40 plus years, these sort of moments don't happen. Not not the magnitude of this, a quarterfinal against a side like Manchester United, they just don't happen. Um, and it was all of it, the, the whole the whole evening patch, wasn't it? But yeah, that, that goal had to be my number one, had to be my number one. And then hanging around in the concourse after to watch the draw and see we've got Man City. Man City, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, who were, who were the other teams? It escapes uh, me what the other Spurs, draw was. Spurs and Arsenal. Was it right? Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was right, Spurs okay. and Arsenal. But Rob, Rob, that's your number two. You just put it's Smith as your uh, wording for that. Yeah, it, exactly. And you know, could have tossed a coin between that and Liverpool because we're talking magnitude again here. Um, it's another Lee Johnson moment. Um, just want to put that one on record. Um, you know, it's. As I said Lee Johnson, I, as I said, is is Marmite and splits splits opinion. But this is this is why he's higher in my list than maybe he is for others because of these moments. We've had the Man City one, we've now had the Man United one. You know, I think we've probably all got those in our top five. So this was just enjoyable, and and again, the magnitude, the quality of the two goals that we scored on the night, but but this one in particular, like. Like you said, Patch, it is iconic. The 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 commentary, um, the the move. Like you say, Joe Bryan, right from the beginning. Um, this goal had everything. You know, it, it's it's one of those um, sort of Roy of the Rovers moments, isn't it? Where where the underdog just pulls out an absolute rabbit from the hat. Mm. Um, yes, okay. You can argue that it doesn't mean as much to Man United as it does to us. But as Matt said, that was a strong team that they'd put out. Um, so they, they certainly didn't want to lose or, or take it easy. And we went toe-to-toe and, yeah, what an ending. And the only reason it's not in my top five is because I wasn't there. But it's yeah, an interesting story. I watched, it, I watched it in Atlanta. I was in America. And I was in a bar, and you'll always find Man United fans, supposedly, all around the world. And and there was a group of three or four sitting in the corner of the bar. And 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 my reaction when we scored, they realised, and and uh, to give them their due, they, they they all bought me a drink. And I felt so blooming alone. I wanted to be back in Bristol, but I will always remember 
being in that bar in America where you have to explain to people the significance of what you're watching next to them, who you are. But uh, no, I, it was it was a fantastic, fantastic night and it defined us and it will always be up in the wall in the, in the Lansdowne stand, won't it? Absolutely well. Right. So 23 moments were brought up in this survey and we're going to go through from 23 to 1 now. Won't be able to talk about them all because we're already uh, on a long podcast. So in 23rd place, it's Jets goal versus Bristol Rovers. Um, I think that was the last time we played Bristol Rovers, um, to my to my knowledge. And that yep. goal from Jet was just lashed from 25 yards. And you just thought, and, and I remember just watching the Rovers fans and they're just sort of, you know, resigned to, oh God, they've got that bloke who can score from 25 yards. And, <laughs> and it, what a fantastic goal that was. Uh, then we've got the LDV trophy lift um against Carlisle over in over in the Millennium Stadium. Then we've got Christian Roberts versus Mansfield, the 5-4. Um, yeah. We had oh. Ali Durden on the podcast talking about that. And he said his voice has never been the same since. Um so what a great moment that was 5-4. Then we've got Warsaw uh 89-90 season promoted to Division Two. Um which I remember cool. and you had a wall of fans around the pitch waiting to run on um so yeah fantastic that one then scott murray's ear cupping cardiff celebration comes next then we've got sheffield united away andy vyman's hat-trick goal uh what a a great hat-trick that was and and the great atmosphere yeah was was definitely up there uh then we have hull away 2017 two nil down with 20 minutes to go and one three two um, I bet that's Northern Tom's. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Because it's a local game is why I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then we've got the Ashton Gate 8, 40th celebrations. <clears throat> then we've got Fulham away, Tomlin free kick. Now, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Fulham Thank away. Fulham games, yeah. Yeah, Fulham away. The last six, five that I've been to, we've won every single one. I didn't go to the Semenyo goal yeah. one, but um, Fulham away the whole day is amazing getting on the yeah. train having a few drinks having a few beers in london getting to the game and then afterwards as well the game the game alone you know just adds to it and we yeah. and we, we seem to do really well there um mm. but yeah that tomlin free kick we were right down the other end and to see that nestle in the corner wow what a moment uh then we've got rotherham uh the rotherham game that, that was one of yours dean um where are we now we're up into 13th place is Louis Donawa's goal versus the Rovers. And I, I think guess. that was what, that was what <laughs> Steve Lansdowne picked as his, as his favourite moment at Ashton. Was it? Yeah. Well, sure. Um, so, yeah. that and, and the significance of that, Matt, was that we hadn't beat them for some time. Is that right? For, forever. Yeah, forever. It was... Uh, they just had the hoodoo over us. And, yeah, I love Brian Parkin forever since that. <laughs> Terrible goalkeeper. Right. Uh, t- uh, 12th is... Flint's getting his hat trick against Warsaw. Warsaw, yeah. Um, then we've got Bradford away, the final whistle, having won six nil and won promotion or the championship. Promotion. promotion, promotion. So it's promotion, and then we had to beat beat Warsaw to to seal the 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 title. Right, we're up into tenth place. So tenth place is Bobby Reed's penalty at Man City. Then in ninth, it's Lee Trundle's goal against Palace. Then David Noble's goal against Palace. 
yeah. and then Macendo's goal against Palace. So <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and actually, in those, those context, those games, three unbelievable goals, yeah. weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So so ninth, eighth, and seventh are all. We well, got the weasel as well. Was that not even the best? <laughs> yeah, that, best one. Brilliant. Um, unbelievably, yeah. that isn't here. Yeah, it um, should be. But yeah, so that's amazing. Nine, eight, and seven. I hadn't looked at this. Is uh, Trundle, Noble, then Macendo. Right, we're up into sixth place now. Sixth place is Stevie Neville's goal, 919th minute versus Hereford. So uh, I think, Rob, that was one of yours, but that's in sixth. Right, fifth place is the trophy lift at Ashton Gate in the 2014-15. We are the champions. Fourth place is the trophy lift, Bolton, 1986. Third place is Christian Roberts' winner versus Hartlepool. Second place is Brian Tinian at Anfield. And first place, winning by a good 17 points, is Corey Smith, Man United yeah. winner. So 23 magic moments there. A good span of, of uh, decades. A good span of types of magic moments as well. Um, Matt, your summation of, of that, because my voice is about to go. Just just makes you realise, mate, how, how lucky we are as football fans and as Bristol City fans that that, that we get these magic moments. And um, I think it's for for me, it's what makes football and being a, a football fan almost unique. Um, I know you know we've 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 got cricket fans on on this very pod, and there are yeah, absolutely there are moments and things like that. But I think I think there's something special about your your football team and the way that it can make you feel. Um, and it gives you highs that are unlike anything else for me. Um, and that the lows are as well, but yeah, it's just, just special. And that we know there will be more to come um, because that's the, the life of being a Bristol city fan, isn't it? Um, but yeah, some of those moments just bring back great memories, which is what this, this podcast is all about. So yeah, and great work, mate, putting it all together. Yeah. It's been, uh, that one was particularly hard because I had to sort of, <laughs> go through everyone's lengthy comments and work out yeah, like, what, what moment they're talking bit, about yeah. here to be able to do the pivot table but i just want to do a quick recap as well we promised we'd do a quick rundown of um all of the ones that we've done so goalkeepers top five fielding in fifth then bentley then woff then welch then basso fullbacks bradley Orr in fifth then darren barnard then joe bryan then martin scott then mickey bell center backs in fifth place was Rob Newman, then Martin Martin Webster, Adam Webster, um, Aidan Flint, Lewis Carey, and Sean Taylor in first. Midfield, Brownhill in fifth, then Tinian, then Alex Scott, then Tommy Dock, then Marvin Elliott. Wingers, we've got Dave Smith in fifth, then Albert Adoma, then Brian Tinian, then Alan Walsh, then Scotty Murray. Strikers, we had a top five of fifth place Sean Gota, then Tammy Abraham, then Andy Cole, then Jakonowski, then Bob Taylor. Uh, managers we've done earlier in the pod was in fifth place, Lee Johnson, then Joe Jordan, then Terry Cooper, then Steve Cottrell, then Gary Johnson. And then magic moments we've just done, which was the trophy lift at Ashton Gate 2014-15, 1986 against Bolton, Christian Roberts winner at Hartlepool, Tinian goal at Liverpool, and Corey Smith's winner at Man United. Brilliant. So that brings okay. us to the end. And I guess the next show will be Robin's review, Preston at home. 
Uh, we've got a couple of weeks to wait until that, but we're going to give it a little bit of a rest until we come back with that podcast. But there's some friendlies coming up and we'll get to see how the team's shaping up. I'll just ask you, go around the table and say um, what your... We won't do expectations for the season yet because we've still got a bit of a, a way to go. But what else do you think needs to happen between now and the start of the season? I'll come to you first, Rob, in terms of any incomings, outgoings. Um, so I think, as it, yeah, it's difficult to say because we don't know who's still going to go. Um, we're, we don't know what's going on with Callus and we don't know what's going on with Scott. Um Callas, I suppose, is technically out of contract. So technically unattached now, I think, isn't he? That's right. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think so far in the window, we've bought and we've covered bases, sort of two for each position, pretty okay for now. Um, but again, if Callas isn't going to sign, we might need one more in there, dependent what happens with the younger ones, like low. Um, I still think midfield is our, our biggest or, or my biggest concern. Uh, I already, even with Scott, I don't think the overall quality um, is there in terms of output, um, you know, goals, assists, all that sort of stuff, uh, protecting the back line. I think there's a lot of upgrades that I think we could do within midfield. So interested to see what happens there, interested to see I guess how Joe Williams has come out of a full mm. preseason. Um, is Naismith going to be deployed in there? So a few a few questions still around there. If we're going to be serious playoff contenders, and just as an option, I would like to see a, a bigger number nine. Um, you know, of course we have a style of play, but you've always got to be. It's about having clubs in the bag, isn't it? And I think. That is, whilst we've got a lot of attackers, that's the one club that we're we're yeah, missing. I agree. Having a having a Famara type on the bench to bring on in, you know, the latter parts of the game to 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 you know effectively like a bit of a battering ram to to get on the end of crosses and things like that. But yeah, the style of play is is slightly different. And he spoke about formations, and he he almost said last night on the the Austria video that that they are going to stick with that sort of four two three one approach um so yeah it's an interesting one dean yourself yeah i i agree with rob i i think our midfield needs uh upgrading they don't they don't contribute enough goals we and i don't think we've got enough goals in us after the first eight games last season we we did struggle in that department i think our defense looks pretty sorted i like the i like the look of mccrory and and dickie that we brought in um and the I don't think we're going to go out and buy the physical striker that uh, that we'd all like. Um, it all depends on movement. But the the one the one that we haven't mentioned again is is not only a backup but a main challenge for Max in goal. I I, I do think we need that that uh, experienced uh, goalkeeper. You do need two goalkeepers at this level, and we don't seem to have a backup for him. So. Um, I, I'll be very surprised if they don't go into the market for a goalkeeper between now and then. 
Um, but at the moment, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite infused. But we all seem to be just waiting for the Callas and the, and the Alex Scott news to, to go. There was talk of, talk of a, a, a serious deal with West Ham going through a bid. Um, whether that was just um, social media talk, but apparently they were in discussions and that broke down. So. Um, I think the sooner that happens, the better if it's going to happen. If we can get that kind of money for him, I say let's let's reinvest and let's put it into 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 that midfield, which which hasn't been performing for us over the last season or so. Matt, with the goalkeeper, does Harvey Wells Richards get a few friendlies, a few halves, and maybe even that first game against Oxford before the transfer window closes? And we think, right, what are we going to do about this? I think he's got to. He's got to know that. Um... Harvey's capable of, of coming in should Max get injured. Um, but because it could happen in the first, uh, yeah, game. I, I think the, for, for me, the fact that he's only got a year's contract, um, and I mean, just kind of, kind of tells you that he's not necessarily a player that they've got, got high hopes for really progressing as a youngster. Um, and that, that might be completely wrong, but you, you know, you'd like to think he would have been tied down for a couple of years. They seriously think that he could come in and be number one, which is what, what you're going to ask to happen if Max suffers a loss of form or an injury. So I, I agree with the boys. I think I think that's definitely needed. Um, and I also think it's midfield that, that we also need to look at. And, and Rob's point about the Callas as well, if Callas doesn't re-sign then then I think we're looking there um the midfield for me is is definitely the the area of most concern um and that will be interesting Joe Williams is a really good point Jason Knight we're obviously interested in um and I don't think that that's necessarily a a, a, a dead deal um I think we probably will go back in for that I think the fact that Peterborough signed Jack Taylor sorry Ipswich have signed Peterborough's Jack Taylor possibly means they won't be still looking to sign Knight. So that might might leave the door open a little bit. But, you know, Rob, Rob's point about the striker as well. Coventry just spent £8 million plus on Ellis Sims from mm. um, Everton. A lad who played in the Prem last season, a lad that, I'm not going to say destroyed us for Sunderland, but him and Stewart that certainly had an certainly <laughs> had a, an impact. But they've also lost Goikeres, who's who's a very very good player. So you know, what got did they get I think, for him, Matt? twenty four million. I think I saw really? yesterday. I don't, but I don't know if that was Euros. Right, um, I'm sure. sure I, I'm sure I saw say. that um, it was it was considerably more than than initially was being talked about. Um, and that's where the Scott situation comes into play. I've seen a tweet this morning from a West Ham fan following something that was doing the rounds yesterday where allegedly there was a meeting that had taken place with Scott, his representatives, Mark Noble, etc., and that Scott had been told by David Moyes he couldn't guarantee him first-team football. And so Scott has said, no, I'd rather stay type scenario. I, I can't believe there's any truth in that in terms of Scott's been in Austria for one. <laughs> yeah. um, and then and then secondly, he's a grounded lad. Yes, he wants to play football. I'm not going to say he, he would turn a Prem sort of thing down, but but no player's guaranteed of playing. So again, I, I don't see that happening, but that's going to have a big impact. Um, I think that decision probably gets made late in the window, which isn't great. Um, yeah. Unless, you know, imagine... Alex Scott stays to start with, has an unbelievable first few weeks of August where everyone's talking about him. Who knows what might happen then? But the problem you then get, the later it is to get a replacement, 
is very difficult, isn't it? So, yeah, interesting times, interesting times. Time Matt, quick, quick question on the um, the the big striker. Who was the yeah. um, the guy that Villa played against us in pre-season? Yeah, last went year? To, the one who went to, was it Forrest? The lad who went to Forrest as well. Um, Possibly, yeah. And, and Watford, or what's his name? Um, wasn't marvelous Macamba, was it, or something like that? No, 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 no. no it's midfielder. Um, oh, I can't think of his name, Rob. If it's the one I'm thinking of, he absolutely destroyed us for, yeah. for Forest. He was unbelievable for well, Forest. I, I was thinking more back to the Villa, the, the Villa pre-season, where he just had that that absolute presence. Yeah. Um, and I wonder where he is because that would be, you know, I've got a, I've got a feeling that. Um, if it's the one I'm thinking about, he's looking to move on um, because he's not he's not getting a Villa. But if, if again, and I'm trying desperately trying to look at his, his for his name, um, he was at Watford as well, and did, it didn't really work out. So it will be interesting to see where, where he ends up. But he's the sort that we need. You know, you, you, yeah. I agree. Uh, again, Rob, we've we've talked about Glenn Riley, Steve Neville. We didn't have big strikers then, but I think the modern game is such. You you do need that, don't you? So yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think I might have the starting eleven of that Villa game. Keenan Davis. That's him. Keenan Davis. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not on the list. And where is he now? That's the still at Villa. Still at Villa. Yeah. So he's not going to get a look in, is he? So or he isn't really. No. You know, that's the kind of guy I'd like us to go go and get. We go and pick him up for three mil or something like that. And he played in the preseason friendly Alex Scott's first game, yeah. Is that one of the game you're thinking of? We lost three nil. Yeah, Alex Scott's first game. Right. Keenan Davis wasn't in that in that team. Must no, be another one. So came on. Uh, yeah, no, he wasn't a sub either. Marshall Lindley Young were the subs. Uh, Watkins, El Ghazi, Nakamba, Philogene, Bidace, uh, McGinn, Ramsey, Young, Hauser, Concer, Cash, and Steer were the players. I wonder if we're talking about a different game. It's definitely Ashton Gate, definitely for Villa. This, we're, we're, we're strolling into the uh, Nicky Maynard, Adam Gould territory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. We'll, we'll call it a day. Thank you so much, Dean um, and Rob for coming on uh, today's bumper episode. Thank um, you very much. And There's you. Dean, um, nice sure you'll be back at Ashton Gate this season? Hope so. Hopefully home for the West Brom game in September. That Keep an eye on for that one, sir. Okay. I'll be looking, for some, Saturday, prawn, be looking for some prawn sandwiches that day from your Pat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you we'll all. be back with Cheers, Robin's, Robin's Review. Uh, this is the last ever bonus show Rob you might have missed that at the start but this is the last ever bonus show we're rebranding to Robin's Review to be in keeping with Robin's Reunited so um, so yeah take care everyone cheers all cheers I'm drifting along it's a one way road just like the tumbleweed or a standing stone Far away from the city call I find myself on another bar stone 
Turning into a whiskey fool 